Howdy. Thanks for coming along. This is the Evening Chores Podcast, presented by Adobe Owl Ranch. We're located in the high desert of southeastern Arizona, and the goal of this podcast is to provide some insight and information regarding raising livestock and potentially gardening in the high desert environment we have here, the arid desert type environment, which doesn't get quite as dreadfully hot as, oh, say, Phoenix or the surface of the sun. I hope you enjoy it. Please listen in, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you. All right, howdy. Welcome to another episode of Evening Chores. This is going to be a lower quality episode as far as audio quality goes because I am actually recording this one as I'm doing my chores. As the initial few were before I got my microphone set up in my shop there. So, apologies for that. I haven't found a good, uh, I guess, a, a good mobile microphone situation. So if you have one of those, you know, and it's, especially if it's a reasonably priced thing, I'm not, I'm not trying to spend a whole bunch of money on this at this point, but if you have something that is reasonably priced that has worked for you, say, yeah, send that on over. You know, whether it's a Bluetooth thing or some sort of a lapel, I, I'm open to a lot of different options. So, anyway, that's that's the forewarning on that. So you're going to get some, you know, crinkles and all that. Because I actually am doing my shorts, so I'll try do So today, I guess... <laughs> This evening, it's about nine o'clock at night here for me, so it's a little past evening. But I am feeding these hogs, and they are convinced they've all been shorted, so they're gonna knock me over to do this. But that's the part of feeding hogs, I guess. So today, I'm going to talk a little bit about off-road equipment. I've talked about some on-road equipment. I've talked about you know, trucks and trailers, and, and I need to do a video on the, the trailer, this backup method that my that I talked about probably, oh, it would have been episode eight or nine, I suppose, and, but I haven't gotten around to, to explaining that out yet in video format. But today I wanted to talk a little bit about the off-road equipment. So, you know, in some ways that, for me, it is trucks and trailers and all that as well, but it is also a, there's definitely part of it that is, uh, I guess, tractor-based mostly here. Tractor frame-based, and I'll, I'll get on to what that means later on, but I want to start out, I guess, with a warning. I, I, I see a lot of people in, you know, online forums, websites, the social media kind of thing, and they're talking about Oh, should I buy this tractor or that tractor? 
And usually, the tractors I see them talking about are, well, should I buy this basically brand new tractor, or should I buy that brand new, or basically brand new tractor? I will say, you know, if you're independently wealthy and all that, then, you know, that's great, but... And I don't know that I would recommend you buy a, a brand new tractor. It depends on your operation. Some people probably need it. But my tractor here at my property is, uh, and it, I'm not going to say it's ideal. I'll talk about it later on. But I will say that the price was right and it is usable. It does what I needed to do. And I may have an edge in the the operation department because I was a heavy equipment operator for several years and was a mechanic for a few years and I grew up on property with with a few different tractors both older and, and newer than the one that I've got and you know so I, I have a little bit more depth of experience I guess then and I'll say this carefully than the people of similar age in the area I live. So that isn't, I have much less experience in these things than some of the farmers my age where I'm from. So, you know, I can think of a few examples, the, the Combses, the Wallaces, a few, a few folks back where I'm from they absolutely have more experience than guys my age in older equipment and, and keeping it moving and things than I do. But in the area that I'm at, I have more experience than people of my age. So, but that's mostly said to tell you that it can be done because when I started running this equipment, I didn't have any experience, and there wasn't a lot of explanation going on. So the key is, in some ways, I think, when you're using this equipment, is be a little bit more like a kid. You know, you think about it, you, if you send a 10-year-old or a 12-year-old or a 14-year-old or whatever, you know, somebody that doesn't, a non-legally driving person, I'll say, out and say, hey, go figure out how to drive that tractor, and how to use all of the, the functions that it has, and take that hay bale and move it over there by the end of the day, you can pretty much guarantee that if that kid's got any kind of gumption as far as you know, mechanical things go, you can go jump on that tractor and figure it out. So maybe you should do a little bit more uh, thinking like that. Because he's going to go out and play with things. Sure, yeah. You may break a couple of things. The chances of you breaking something that's unfixable is, is approaching zero. So, you know, don't let don't stress about that, basically. That's what I'm saying. Hear that screeching noise? Um, that is a barn owl. Well, it's a young barn owl. So, don't let them worry. Yeah, they're actually a pretty cool animal. And... You know, they do a, a great job of getting rid of the 
the rodents around here, since the young ones sound like they're asking for food. So anyway, what kind of tractor do I have? I've got a, a Ferguson TO30, which you may have never heard of, and that's absolutely fair, because, I'll be totally honest, I'd never heard of a Ferguson TO30 before I saw the one that I've got. And I found it on, I think, Facebook Marketplace, but it might have been Craigslist. Those two categories kind of overlap each other in my mind. So it was one or the other. Might have been both, frankly. I'm not sure. So I found a place, oh, probably maybe a two-and-a-half, three-hour drive away. Luckily, my dad was down at the time, so we went and looked at it. And... You know, some things were good, some things were bad. Got it loaded on the trailer, brought it home. Then I've done some work on it since, and I'll, I'll probably later on try to go through what it is that I've done to that, and some of the websites that I've used to find parts and all that. But, oh, there's my dogs. Dogs want to get fed, so I'm going to go feed them. But So, Ferguson TO30, if you think of the Ford 8N, 9N, 2N, those series tractors, that is pretty much what I've got. Now, those have positives and negatives. Hello, dog. And the positive is, at least right now, they are pretty affordable got mine for a whole lot less than you would get any new or you know close to new tractor or even you know back into the at least 90s models probably into the 80s because this is a tractor that was built in the 50s the first half of the 1950s is the that's what the serial number on mine shows that it was built you know roughly back then I can't remember exactly the year it was made, but I, I found it at one point. So it's roughly a 30 horsepower tractor when it came to the factory. It's lost a lot of compression since then, so it's probably a, you know, a 22 horse tractor, 24 horse. I don't really know. I'm, I'm literally speaking from the ether when I say that, but it is a tractor that is not highly powered. It isn't, there's nothing special about it. It has no external hydraulics. It has no, you know, scoop, front uh, bucket of any kind. None of that. But what it does have is a three-point hitch, which I recommend. Now, I don't have anything against the non-three-point hitch machines. But you will. So, the reason I say that is, all... Almost all uh, farm equipment is made to fit a three-point hitch. So if you get something without a three-point hitch, which is the older Farmalls, the, the Alice Chalmers type tractors, those things, if you get one of those, yeah, you're not going to have a three-point hitch probably, unless it's been converted, in which case that's fine. And that's just going to make it harder for you to find implements for it. And that can also, that can be totally fine. It's just going to be something that you have to consider 
when you are looking at the cost of of your tractor. So if you buy a you know a D17, a D19, you're just going to have to have implements made or find implements that fit. And I can tell you from experience that that is not nearly as much fun. So what do I recommend? I recommend getting something with a three-point hitch, and that is literally what it sounds like. A three-point hitch has two lifting, I guess, arms, I'll say, which extend on the lower part of the tractor. And those, those arms provide the basis for any implement that you want to lift, and then there is a those are active lifting arms. So those are hydraulically operated from inside the tractor usually. And then there will be a top link, which is your third point, which is a, it's a passive thing. So it's, it isn't actively lifted or lowered, but what it does is, is holds your implement in a correct, uh, I guess it, it, it holds it in the correct uh, direction. So because if you just lift something with those two swivel arms in the bottom, then they're going to, you know, it would just lift up but kind of flop. So that third arm keeps the, lowers the flop factor, I'll say. And that may not make a whole lot of sense, but if you Google three-point system or the Ferguson lift, because it was, I believe, a Ferguson-designed system, you should be able to find those things. And that's just kind of the, that's the standard now. So... There's a few different sizes. You've got different categories of three-point lift. That isn't the main concern because they will, to some extent, you can modify things between different categories, and to another extent, uh, you're going to find a lot more things in the small... Well, I guess it depends on where you are. In the places where I am, you're going to find more small implements than you find those large implements. So I would... I'd say, you know, aim for, I don't know, it depends on, I, I guess, it depends on the size of the property you have. I wish that I had a slightly larger tractor, but I will tell you why the smaller tractor that I have is handy as well. So, aim for that three-point. You want to have one of those, in my opinion. Uh, a front, a front-end loader, so, a, you know, a, a lifting arm and, and bucket system on the front of the tractor is also super handy. It depends on what you're doing. So, those... It's good for moving smaller loads between different places. So if you're, you know, if you're cleaning out a stall, those sorts of things, it can be super handy for that because it's, it is a lifting and 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 carrying capacity. They make similar. If you hear a cat, so do I. And I don't know if it's inside or outside this shop. Have to leave the door open, I guess. So they they do make similar things that go on the. On the rear three-point hitch, but those are not—they're not quite as convenient for some things. So three-point hitch is good for for pulling. It's not good for pushing. So if you're if you're driving forward, a three-point hitch is a, is a great thing. If you're backing up, it's not actually very—it's not strong in that direction. So you can actually damage some things if you try to back up with a three-point hitch uh, directly. So I recommend having that three-point hitch. Front-end loader depends on your usage. So. I have a different machine with a front-end loader, so I actually don't miss having a front-end loader on my on my little tractor because it wouldn't actually have much capacity. But if I did not have that other machine, that would 
be something I would look for. I, I got the track draft, I got the other machine, so I, I was not as... I think I did anyway. I can't remember. But I think I got it afterwards, so I wasn't as concerned with having a front-end loader. So, that that's personal, you know, desire what you have. A front-end loader is handy, but it also gets in the way because it sticks out in the front of the tractor, so it limits your turning rate, your turn, your space, I guess. It doesn't change the turning radius, but it changes the space you need to turn around, which is another thing. So, a, a Ferguson, like I have, or, a, you know, a lot of those older tractors, the same generation I've got, are two-wheel drives. The rear wheels drive... You have directional braking, so if one wheel starts to spin, you can step on a brake there and, and force the other tire to try. You don't want to get a tractor stuck, but they get usually unless you have ag or unless you have like turf tires, they've got big agricultural bar tires on them. They're relatively hard to get stuck in the the place where I live, at least. And I have I've come close to getting I almost got a bulldozer stuck once, so I can get almost anything stuck, but. But I don't actually think, in a lot of cases, you need a four-wheel drive tractor because it's it's another drive line, another set of U-joints on each on both of those front corners. There's just more stuff to go wrong, and it limits your turning radius, which is a big thing in a tractor. That that Ferguson that I have will turn around in such a small area that it makes it extremely handy. I mean, I can use it inside my yard. I've got a, a fenced-in yard, and I can use it with you know, a mower or a blade or anything like that inside the yard without issues of running into anything. So that, and if it was a four-wheel drive model, it probably wouldn't have that tight, excuse me, overturning radius. So that depends on where you are. You know, if you live somewhere, you're going to be blading out your driveway all winter long. Well, yeah, you probably want front wheel assist, which is, you know, the old way of saying four-wheel drive, I guess. And I would recommend it, but... If you live in a place like I do, I don't think you need it, and it's just something else to go wrong. So that's situation-dependent. As far as other things which are nice-to-haves, I would definitely look for, and I don't have this on that, but I would definitely look for something that has hydraulic outputs somewhere other than the use of the, the three-point. So even so that the... the the 300 Farmall that I grew up with, it was my dad's, it had a series of levers which ran a series of different hydraulic outputs on the back, which you could use for, oh, moving the the mower or running a log splitter, whatever you needed to do back there, you could, you could operate those things. And those just come in handy so you can buy hydraulically operated machines. So, for example, you could buy a hog, or a log splitter, not a hog splitter, that's a completely different kind of thing, it's kind of like a meat cleaver looking thing, but you could buy a log splitter which, with no motor. You could buy a hydraulic lo log splitter with a hydraulic input and output from a tractor. And then, yeah, you're going to have to run your tractor as you split your wood. But especially on something like a log splitter, which you're not using for a good part of the year probably, because you're either, you know, a, a just-in-case you know, woodcutter or you're a just-in-time woodcutter, so you're either splitting your wood in the winter or the summer, but you're not doing it all year round usually. So that motor is apt to cause you problems if you try to have the the gas operated one. Um, you know that has its own engine. So if you have those external uh, hydraulic out outlets, those can definitely be advantageous. There are some equipment 
or some implements which require those as well. And even if you don't have any of those, there's this other magical device, which I don't also has, have, which I wish I had, which is a hydraulic top link. So I said that top link is a passive device because it doesn't move as a general rule. It can be screwed in and out to adjust, like, for example, depth or level on a blade. But you can do that same thing if you have a hydraulic top link. So it's a, it's a hydraulic cylinder that goes in place of the top link and is adjustable via the hydraulic system of the tractor just for fine adjustments it isn't for digging or anything like that it's just for fine adjustments also those rear outputs as you'll often hear them called for hydraulics can be used on a series of other things such as a backhoe attachment or, or any sorts of things like that so that is something I would look for I would it depends on your your physical state the tractor that I have has a big hump in the middle so you've got to be able to get over that there are tractors if you are you know less able to to climb over a, a you know a hump like that I worked with a farmer who was actually he was a quadriplegic and he could drive the tractors that he had through a series of um, adjustments that he actually had come up with he was a really ingenious guy he came up with all sorts of ways he was very able you know there was there was no saying that he wasn't able to get anything done because if if you told him that and i don't have permission to say his name but but if you told him he wasn't able to do something he'd figure out a way to do it just kind of as a matter of pride it always seemed to me so i'm i'm saying that that just to point out that if a guy who has no use of his his lower body or his you know his fingers in fact it wasn't even the lower body that that man could do almost anything with less muscular control than almost everybody listening to this so don't don't discount yourself from being able to operate a, a machine just because you have you know some some different ability than the rest of us have and I'd be glad, you know, if, if there's somebody li like the, who has, you know, some sort of a, a situation like that who is listening, I would be glad to contact the man that I'm talking about and, and see if he'd be willing to talk to you. And I would almost guarantee that he is um, because he's a, as I said, he's a, <laughs> he's a very able man. There's no doubt about it. So. The, in fact, the last I checked, he was driving a semi-truck, I think, so, which is something that most of the population doesn't do, and he does it with no issue, so, but the point is, you want to make sure that you are comfortable getting on and off of the tractor, and there are different floor models, so there's some which are flat, uh, some of the newer stuff especially, but even some older things, uh, I think that 300 farm all that I was talking about, which I don't necessarily recommend because it doesn't have a three-point, but it was a flat top tractor. It was a high crop model and you climbed up a couple of steps, but when you were up there, you didn't have to step across anything. So there was, it turns out I know a fair number of people who have, you know, had different sorts of accidents and things. And I'm pretty sure I remember a guy with only one leg running one of those, but I can't remember exactly. But I would imagine, because you could switch, you know, on a tractor with a hump in the middle, you can't switch back and forth between the pedals easily. With no hump, you can. There's also 
um, oh, what do they call it, hydraulically driven tractors, kind of like you'll see your smaller John Deere lawnmowers and things like that, and I can't think of the name for that right now, uh, hydro something or other, but that's also a, an option in those cases. But I, I would recommend you try on, you know, any tractor that you have, or you have it dry you on, whatever, however you want to imagine that, to make sure that you're comfortable operating it generally. So nothing's perfect. Uh, mine definitely isn't. Seat's not comfy. So there's a few other things, cab or no cab. Uh, cab sounds great. You know, if you have heat and AC, boy, yeah, you can sit in that thing all day long. Ask any of the farmers that are doing the, you know, the all night long operations up in you know, Nebraska, Iowa, Kansas, Missouri, North Dakota, all those places where there's row crops, Illinois, and I'm not trying to leave anybody out, I'm just giving some examples. Ask them, you know, if they want a cab or not, they're all going to say, well, yeah, they want a cab, because in the heat of the summer when they're out, I don't know, running a sprayer or something like that, yeah, they want to have a a cab with an air conditioner and a filtration system of some kind, and in the wintertime or the late fall or early spring or whatever, they want to have some sort of a heat in there so they're not, you know, they're not just dreadfully uncomfortable and in some cases you know you get allergies they want to protect themselves from that or whatever it is so yeah they want to have a cab and I'm all for a cab but there's trade-offs so cab costs money cab also limits your your visibility out of the machine you know mine has no cab and it makes it where you can see everything very easily I don't think I would be able to mow in some of the position the places that I mow in if I had a cab on that tractor, but they didn't come with one at that point anyway. And there's also, there's rollover protection system. You'll see ROPS, that's the, the roll bar that goes up over the top. I recommend that. I've seen things roll. I've known people who got killed by their tractors. Those are, those are definitely advantageous things. Make sure you get something that can be folded down if you have a ROPS. Because sometimes you're putting it in a garage and it won't fit, or you're putting it in a trailer, or you're driving under something that's just too short for that ROPS to fit, so you got to be able to fold it down. If you don't have that, a canopy could be a great choice too. Especially in a place like I live, I wish I had a canopy all the time, because it would never, it would never stick up in the way. I'm on flat ground, so I'm not in, in extreme danger of rollover. I'm not saying I shouldn't have a rollover protection system, but the, the chances on this ground on this tractor is pretty low. My other machine does have a rollover protection uh, system of a sort on it. But I do wish I had a canopy because sometimes you get out there mowing and you forget it that how long you've been out there and you can <laughs> you can give yourself a bad sunburn just mowing your front ditch. So if you have the opportunity to get something that will accept a canopy that's a good option also. In an area like I'm at, you're going to want that not be made out of plastic because it's going to rot every year and you're going to have a lot of money in canopies by the time you're done with 20 years or so. Just something to keep in mind there. Um, see, when you... If you are not familiar with driving an automatic transmission or a manual transmission, if all your cars are automatics, you're going to have to get used to that because most tractors are manual. There are some automatics, there's some hydro shifts, there's, you know, the, the hydromatic, whatever the system is, where it's, you know, it's just basically pressure controlled. But the older tractors, like I'm talking about, they don't have that. They're manual transmission and they're non-synchronized. So that means you don't shift it between gears so much. Now I can shift mine, but it's, as I said, it's, I've been doing it a long time and I understand how the transmission works. But in general, when I teach somebody to drive a tractor, you can take off my I've got a four-speed transmission in this tra in this tractor 
and it was designed to be able to take off in any of those gears with no load. So with load on it might be different, but with no load you can take off in fourth gear or first gear, so it's not like a car. Because there's more torque than there is there is potential speed, I guess I'll say. So that's something you're going to have to get used to, a, a clutch. Also, your tractor will have two brakes. There's going to be a right brake and a left brake. It depends on what kind of tractor you have. I grew up with tractors that only had, and this is the majority, which the brakes were on the right side, which I don't uh, quite, I don't know exactly what it is. So the, but most tractors have the, will have two brakes on the right side and a clutch on the left. So your clutch will be operated only by your left foot and your two brakes will be only operated by your right foot. And usually they can be linked together and they can be, or they can be used individually. So the right brake operates the right uh, right tire and the left brake operates the brake on the left tire. And that allows you to get yourself out of a slick situation. So if one tire is spinning, you can brake that tire slightly and you can brake the, the axle on that side slightly and get yourself out. Or also in some cases you are trying to make an extremely tight turn, you may need to brake that side, kind of like operating a bulldozer you may break that side just a little bit as you are turning to turn around in a shorter area. And that's, uh, I don't, I can't say that that's recommended or anything. I can just say that all the farmers I know that run these old tractors will do it. So that's the, the braking situation. The throttle is usually something that is located that you use with your hand. It's a hand throttle. It's going to be somewhere near the column. It's going to look like a shifter probably on an automatic car. And that's just going to be something you set in your place and, and roughly forget because you're going to be running at whatever RPM you're running at generally throughout the day. So, excuse me, that's the general controls. There will be other things like your hydraulic uh lift or, or lower which is usually located on the right side either near the seat or near the steering column off to the side of the steering column but still somewhere in that area and then there will be somewhere a PTO so a power takeoff shaft control which is something you need to have if you're gonna run implements you want to have a power takeoff some of the uh, so agricultural model tractors will almost always have a power takeoff but some of your industrial tractors will not. So things that you see out on the side of the road, you know, doing road work or, you know, what, like a, a machine which looks like a, a skid loader, uh, which just has a box blade behind instead of a backhoe, or not a skid loader, like a backhoe. Uh, you, you'll usually, you'll hear those called a skip loader a lot of times or something like that, and those don't often have a PTO. So you want to kind of avoid those if you're going to be doing any kind of mowing or, or anything like that. I'd recommend having a PTO because there's a lot of handy implements that use that. But there will be a control for that. It's either on or off, or sometimes it'll have two positions because there are two different PTO speeds, 540 and 1080, I believe, and that's RPMs. And that's at the recommended engine speed that will be approximate. So older equipment usually uses the 540 speed. So the baler that I used to run was a 540 RPM baler. So you got to keep track of that. There's nothing wrong with having the two speeds on your tractor, but you want to make sure that you're using the appropriate one if you are using different kinds of equipment because using 1080 on a 540 machine will, well, it's, it's going to tear it up real fast. 
So that's a, a basic run through of, of the things that I think, I guess, are handy and the, the basic controls. I will say that I think a smaller, cheaper tractor for most operations is sufficient because there are different implements that will assist you in doing different things. I've got a carry-all on mine. I can carry, oh, I think 800 pounds or so on the back of this little tractor. I don't like to because I don't think it's good for the for the systems and all that, but it will, it will roughly do it. And, you know, it depends on how far away from the, the lift point and all that it is, but it's a... It's a thing that you have, you know, those implements. You can get blades and and discs and plows and carryalls and mowers. Mowers of all different types and your log splitters. You can get all, I mean, the, the list is almost unimaginable. And that's for the powered stuff. I mean, there's all sorts of, well, I guess not all that is powered, but some of it is. You'll have... You know, like large large discs are hydraulically operated, but not off of a three point. A lot of times they're they're free pulling off of what is known as the the draw bar. So, which is basically it's like roughly equivalent to a, a receiver hitch on a on a pickup is your draw bar. So some things are are free following like that. Disc being a common a common thing like that. Some types of mowers can be that way as well. It depends on the on the mower type. But all I can say is really, really want to do your research before you go out and buy a tractor and see if it has all the features that you want, you know, being those, you know, the PTO and the lift and all that, you know, three point, those sorts of things, whether or not you did front end loader. Most hobbyists, I'll say, don't need a cab unless you have, you know, extensive, you know, allergy issues or something like that then maybe yes you you will need one but i wouldn't i wouldn't go in search of a cab with that as its only thing you know it's it's a nice to have not a need to have in most cases especially where i'm at you know if you've got if you had a lot of heat strokes then yeah you need a cab with an air conditioner maybe if you're going to be operating in the summer a lot but i'm just given the the rough around the edges i guess idea I will at some point discuss different implements that I think everybody should have, but I'm not going to do that on this, not on this episode. The I'll also be putting together a a YouTube video or maybe something I'll just post to my website, which shows the different controls and ways different controls get used on a tractor. You know, kind of a a quick tutorial on how to operate your tractor. And common mistakes. For example, a a tractor doesn't go nearly as well in reverse as it goes forward because of the orientation of the bars on the tr- on the tires. It has a lot more traction go- traction going forward than it does in reverse, and that's not something that a lot of people take into account. They'll they'll get stuck going reverse and think they can't go anywhere, but sometimes it'll pull right out going forward. Uh, oversizing implements is generally the the wrong answer because you can injure yourself that way. But in the end, uh, mechanical fitness is the key to having a, a good tractor. So when you go, take along somebody who knows something about being a mechanic and having an idea of what to listen for and look at. If there's a lot of 
leaks and drips all over the place, that might not be a great choice. It depends, you know, make sure that it's actually coming from that machine because sometimes it'll be a previous occupant of whatever area that's in. And some things, when they leak, are not as disastrous as others. So a hydraulic cylinder leak is not the same as, oh, say, a rear main seal leak. You can take that hydraulic cylinder off, you can take it to somebody who knows how to repair it, or you can look it up and you can learn how to repack it yourself. And that is not nearly the same issue as something which has, you know, a major engine oil leak out of the rear main seal. Same, there are some cracks that I will accept in castings and things, but I've also not purchased tractors because they were missing major parts because they had been broken off. Because that's an example of abuse. There's, you know, I, I had an opportunity to buy a really nice looking older John Deere tractor. It was a diesel. It was almost everything I wanted. But it had been abused to the point where parts of the rear casting near the PTO had been broken off. And I, to this day, don't know exactly how they did that, but I knew that I didn't want to have it. So I turned that tractor down. So just take a, you know, go to look up the kind of tractor you you have found for sale. Find out different things on it. Look at some reviews. Go to different forums. Those are all good ideas. But get an idea of what it should look like and go and see if it actually does look that way. So if it was supposed to come as a agricultural model but you can't find a PTO shaft on the back, which should be pretty simple if you Google what a PTO shaft, or I don't even use Google, but for some reason I use that word, then maybe you you may not be looking at what's being advertised. Because, also, a lot of tractors don't come with a title. You know, they weren't shipped with one, They're, you'll get a bill of sale, and it's just, it's not like buying a car or a piece of land. It's a different operation entirely. So you're going to need a bill, bill of sale. You've got to do your own research. It's a buyer beware sort of situation. Make sure what you're buying is what it is that you want and what is being advertised. And you're going to have to look up prices as well for yourself. There are some places where tractors go for more and less. I've noticed that backhoes on the East Coast go for a whole lot less than they do out where I'm out in the West. So just because you find something for one price in one area doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. If you're in Nebraska, you're going to have a different market for tractors than you will if you're in, oh, Northern Virginia, for example. So you've got to find something in your in your neck of the woods that is comparable or a lot of things across the country I guess that are comparable would be the other option there because some people will try to sell things for what they are not worth and then sometimes that can work in your advantage and that that's up to your moral ethical roots as to what you know how far you're willing to let that go I guess so the the bill of sale thing is something to take some people by surprise you know, they want to have a title. Well, nobody has a title to give because tractors don't come that way in most in most states, at least. So keep that in mind. Uh, look up the, the category of hitch that it accepts and the type of implements that you might need and the prices for those before you go and, and plop down thousands of dollars on a tractor. And also, you need to have a way to get it home because most tractors do not take to the road very well it's hard on the tires it's hard on the gearboxes and it's slow <laughs> a fast tractor is moving like 20 mile an hour so at least for these you know there are some of those John Deere's and things you know the newer and I shouldn't just say John Deere the new 
newer, whatever they are, whether it's a case or a John Deere or a, the Challengers, those are crazy. But some of those will really get down the road, but that's probably not what you're buying. You're probably buying an older type tractor, and they're not made to road at a, at a high speed. And as I said, it's not good for it. So if you're 60 miles away and you think, well, I'll just drive it home, well, you better take a few days to get that home because it's probably not going to work. Hire a trailer, you know, ask in the ad, is this something you'd be willing to deliver? Um, you know, have a have an area chosen to unload it so it's not, you know, getting dumped in the middle of the forest or whatever. And also, I'll say, you know, make sure you need a tractor because the, you know, the original tractor was probably something like a wheelbarrow with, was, you know, a guy pushing it or somebody pulling it. I know my... My folks, when they were out last, they got me a trailer that I can pull, which has a thousand pound capacity. And I, as you know, listen to this podcast, do a lot of my chores at night. I use that trailer if I'm going to pull over several bags of feed because I can haul 250 pounds of, of feed across the you know flat ground here without too much work. And it would take me five trips to carry that much feed in, in 50 pound bags because I'm not willing to put the wear and tear on my body to carry two two 50 pound bags at a time anymore so keep in mind that you may not actually need a tractor in your situation or you may not need one yet which is a beautiful place to be in because then you can watch the market and decide when it's time for you to buy something as far as more detailed stuff i'd love to get into it i just need some primer questions so if you have questions about tractors or things that you want to do on your property but you don't know what type of tractor that you might need for that or what type of machine because sometimes it isn't a tractor it could be a skid loader or a backhoe or you know all, all sorts of different things possibly a bulldozer i don't know if you get a whole bunch of i don't know giant rocks or something maybe you need a a different machine so you know shoot me a, a line that that's evening chores at gmail.com or you can go over to the website or you can send me a message at my farm email which is noah at adobeowlranch.com that'll work as well it all goes the same place so it really doesn't matter where you you send that go to instagram i'm on there facebook the website whatever send me a question i'm happy to respond directly to you or if it's something that is i guess valuable to other folks you know if it's not an extremely pointed personal type well what should i do on this kind of property well maybe i'll put it on here uh, there is also, through Anchor.fm, if you go and look, there is a send me a message portion, if you go to Anchor.fm or the app, and you can actually send an audio message to me that way, and that way we can record it on the, sh or re replay it on the show, and I can answer you right here, which would be great for me, I'd love to do that, so, you know, shoot me those messages. I will get into further things on how to keep your tractor up and how to you know things to check for all those things in a later episode but i have this feeling that i've been going on and on here for i don't know probably about a half an hour i imagine well never mind it's probably more than that but whatever it is so i will revisit this situation this issue this topic whatever you want to call it i don't know i guess it depends on where you are at a later time Especially if I get some, you know, good comments, emails, you know, audio, what it would be, a, a, it's a 
it's like a voicemail on on the website there so go to anchor.fm send those in or you know any of the other means and i do appreciate you listening we will revisit this topic later on in more detail most likely if i can get some good questions i appreciate you listening good night and have a good weekend bye-bye i hope you've enjoyed this episode i appreciate you listening all the way through like this and if you would please share it out you know you can go right to the website you can get the url there if you're into the rss sort of a thing or you can go to itunes or spotify oh amazon podcast there's all it's all kinds of places oh look at that i just got caught a pig sleeping in the feeder they're crazy animals it's it's a sleepy world here anyway please go to those places rate subscribe share that helps the the reach of the podcast and you know it's nice on my end i'll be honest it's a little bit selfish for me but it's it's nice to know that I'm not just speaking into the abyss. Somebody's actually listening. So if you want to send a comment, actually if you want to send a comment that's more individualized, you can send it to eveningchores at gmail.com, and I'll get it that way. I appreciate you listening. Thanks, and good night.